0: For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. friends and enemies heroes and villains welcome to epic realms uh just a little pre-show note for those that are watching the live stream i am raising funds for november november takes place during the month of november raising funds for prostate cancer testicular cancer so if you're off put by the caterpillar on my face uh don't be so it's a good cause if it's something you are interested in go to the november website november.com and uh go ahead and help out there. They do all kinds of amazing things. Our guest today has been toing paranormal talk shows for over 17 years, be it Darkness Radio, Coast to Coast, and now the Paranormal 60. He's also the lead investigator on the shows The Holzer Files, Curse of Lizzie Borden, and most recently, The Ghosts of Devil's Perch. Please welcome Dave Schrader to the show. Dave, how are you doing? Doing good, Nick. Thanks for having me on. You've been interviewing for people for so long, and I've got to ask, is there a defining moment that attracted you to the paranormal? something that just stands out that you're like this is a place that i can pinpoint or is it just multiple things
1: no it's just being kind of surrounded by the paranormal my entire life uh from childhood uh visitations from my dead grandmother to growing up in a haunted house to you know bigfoot sighting when i was like 11 12 years old in foley alabama ufo sightings in 2006 so i've really kind of just been in the right place at the wrong time most (laughs) of my life and because my mom was so open to it. My family was so open to it. Nobody ever squelched my interest. So it allowed me to just. Delve into it and, and educate myself.
0: Was it easy to find. Find people and find information at that time? You know, obviously now it's all over the place. But back then,
1: you know. Sure. There was Hans Holzer had books. The guy wrote over 145 books. So they're like every week. I think he was putting out a new one. Um, then uh, the the Warrens. um you know in my d scott rogo william roll there's so many different authors that came out sharing stories of the supernatural and the paranormal and then there was in search of and sightings and unsolved mysteries and you could always find some corner some deep dark corner and you know if you're looking for the weird it's there there were books even where i grew up at trinity lutheran grade school there were books on loch ness monster and bigfoot and ghosts and you know we dug around in them and I, mean, I just I loved it I love the mystery I still do I just think it's fascinating the the life we lead and then the little mysteries that live in the spaces in between
0: what came first Uh you obviously you were doing darkness radio 17 years ago were you doing that or were you working on other paranormal projects and stuff or was that <laughs> kind of like the first big step into the door to work with all of the people that are in that world
1: yeah i i was a fan of Ghost hunters and um all the TV shows like everybody. And when I had gone out that October, I think it was, to uh Univcon in, in Pennsylvania and met Jason and Grant there and uh, became buddies with them. And then I had an opportunity to to you know start a radio show with a friend of mine and and he's like, What kind of topic do you want to do? I said, Why don't we do the paranormal? And he said, Who are we gonna get? And I said, Well, I just made friends with. Jason Hawes, Grant Wilson, John Zaffis, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Let me reach out to them and ask. And I did. And that's an amazing list. Yeah. To start off my first four episodes, that was pretty much it. Uh, And then I had a local author here in Minnesota, Annie Wilder, who had just written her book, House of Spirits and Whispers. And uh, she was phenomenal. So I came out swinging and we never really looked back. And once I cracked that egg of having Jason Hawes on everybody else and, you know, ghost hunters was willing to come on and then every other paranormal show realized we were okay and and came on and did the show with us so it just grew from there and and you know I was with darkness radio till January of this year and then took a couple months off just as a mental break and then uh, booted back up with a new series called the paranormal 60 uh, and that's what I do now so I just I enjoy doing it and having that opportunity to kind of marry my my two fascinations I loved radio growing up and wanted to be on radio and loved being uh involved in the paranormal researching it living it uh so to be able to put them together was you know was a no-brainer for me
0: was art bell much of an inspiration for for you and the oh, show sure
1: yeah art bell is amazing um you know george nori art bell i had a chance to I, ian punnett you know ian punnett was the first uh fill-in host okay for for art bell and then they brought george nori in and You know, I'm friends with Ian, and Ian's the one that recommended me to Coast to Coast. So I got to fill in for five years, and then that led me to the opportunity to take over Midnight in the Desert, Art Bell's final show. Yeah. And I'm, for what it's worth, I'm the only other host in the world besides Art Bell that hosted Coast to Coast and Midnight in the Desert. So
0: yeah, that's awesome. I got to
1: do his first show and his last show, and uh, enjoyed doing both. So it's it's afforded me an opportunity to meet a lot of cool people, see a lot of amazing sites. And experience things beyond my imagination how was it for you going with the uh
0: you know there's format changes because they're all a little bit different because you guys were on the radio for a while and then podcast coast to coast is obviously a little bit different uh paranormal right. 60 now is you know not the same as darkness radio it's a different format as well mm-hmm. um going and you know live stream format podcasts radio how was that format change constantly for you was that easy for you to adapt, to adapt
1: sure i mean i've Got the attention span of a gnat or a kindergartner on oprox and jolt (laughs) soda so it's been fine for me you know it's just slight adapt adaptions and um doing what i do so i i already know the basics of it whether i'm doing it for three hours or or a half an hour i can adjust yeah i kind of like the new style with paranormal 60 because when i have guests on like tonight after you and i are are finished up and such on monday night i have um yeah two great guests talking about ufos and alien abduction and just cool stuff and i you know two of them coming from two totally different perspectives one guy was abducted and one guy is going to talk to us about the science of how some of the claims regarding ufos and aliens can't be true so we're going to hear both sides of that spectrum uh and and just having those kind of conversations but then we get right to the meat of it yeah it's not hours of little pieces of bread crumbs we're, we're following a trail on you know i just try to get right into the sandwich of paranormal yeah. let's start eating it and enjoy it you know that's awesome
0: and that's uh are you live on that then tonight on youtube yeah. there awesome yeah that's, be, you guys that's yeah. at the paranormal 60 i believe i got it right here on my notes yeah it's
1: a paranormal 60 podcast uh just find the paranormal 60 uh youtube channel yeah and people can watch along monday and friday nights live and then the audio is fed out to platforms all over. So however you listen to podcasts, you're gonna find the paranormal sixty. And we've got, I think tonight'll be my eighty-seventh episode of this. So it's you know, I'm already coming up on hundred episodes pretty quickly here, but probably by the end of the year. So it's pretty exciting to, you know, have that opportunity to reinvent myself, kind of keep things moving. And I I took it to a format like this where I can look you in the eyes and we right. can have this conversation and I like that, and I think it plays better on the audio version as well because it's more engaged when we're looking at each other and talking than, yeah. you know, when we're sitting alone in a studio just staring off into space in between. So yeah, this you're key- listening
0: for audio cues to to when you can hop in or no one's right, talking exactly. over each other. Yeah. Do you still stress out before a show? Obviously, you know, or did you ever?
1: Oh, way in the beginning, sure. Um, and it depends on the guest, the guest, and if I feel like it's going to be something. You know, once in a while on coast to coast, I would dig into something like alternative medicine or alternative energy, things I don't know anything about. Not that I know anything about anything, you know, it's all about learning and education. But, uh, when I had to talk to Dan Aykroyd, it was overwhelming. You know, that was nerve wracking. I I talked to him twice, once back when I started in 2006. And then once about uh, nine years ago, when his dad wrote the book and I had him and his dad on, that was intimidating, uh, you know. (laughs) Talking to some celebrities has been more tongue-tying. You know, I I had a chance to talk to uh, Henry Winkler on my show. So talk to the Fonz, talk about the ultimate penultimate paranormal personality, the Fonz. Yeah. Right. Um, and then Bruce Campbell, and and I've talked to Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead in the Hellraiser series. I've talked to Robert Englund, um, Freddy Krueger. I've talked to Kane Hodder, who played. Um, uh, Jason Voorhees. So I've, I, you know, I've had a chance to talk to some really cool and interesting people. And uh, Brian Detillo tonight on the show. He's uh, people probably know him from about twenty years on Days of Our Lives. He's wow. an alien abductee. So uh, it's a cool opportunity to talk to somebody that's got this interest and and is open and willing to share it with our listeners.
0: That's awesome. 17 years is a long time. My my question, has your evolution and what you believed in changed over that time from starting off and then from all of the people that you've talked to throughout the years and their beliefs and what they have and the proof and stuff that they've brought forward. Has that changed how you look at certain aspects of the paranormal?
1: No, oh, definitely. I don't sit complacent, just oh, okay, that's a good enough excuse for me. And then just, that's what a ghost is. That's what an alien is. It's always evolving. It's always mm-hmm. learning and adjusting and, sometimes you, you start to make it like a perfect stew. I, you know, this makes sense to me from this aspect of, of investigations. And this makes sense to me from that aspect. And this is cool. And that's interesting. And you, you know, so I've I've kind of evolved and piecemealed this Frankenstein puzzle of the paranormal together for myself, cobbling it together of things that comfort me or make me feel like I have a good understanding or grasp on some of the concepts until the next person comes up and blows my mind open with new ideas.
0: Right. Is there any guest that really stands out to you? That's like, they've really impacted how you look at things that you can think of right off the top of your head.
1: Gosh, so many, uh, from Dan Aykroyd to Dr. Barry Taff. You know, I remember sitting there listening to Dr. Barry Taff, talk to Art Bell on coast to coast AM and, and, have these conversations about the supernatural and the paranormal and, and I would sit riveted in my car in my driveway for 45 minutes after I got home, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop listening. Right, And then I got a chance to become friends with Dr. Barry Taff and had him on my shows. And so it's pretty, pretty cool, but it's just, you know, I've, I've had a chance to talk to everybody from major celebrities to uh, Lorraine Warren was amazing to chat with numerous times to, you know, mom and pop people that have had experiences sometimes you learn from them even more than the people who have spent an entire lifetime uh, examining these concepts
0: right when you're talking to all of these guests are Mm -hmm. there any of them that come in and you're like i don't you know in your mind you're like this doesn't make any sense to me i don't i don't you know you don't want to believe it because you're you know i've watched a show you consider yourself a skeptic Mm -hmm. how do you go okay I want to believe this and I want to give the opportunity. I want to give the audience a chance to make their own decisions. Do you have a problem sometimes like going, man, I I can't swallow this, but I still got to put on the show or is it just like, I'm going to put on the show. Yeah.
1: We're human, right? We question. And sometimes things are just like, no, that doesn't add up. But, and I try to find polite ways to push and need that question in and, and get them to respond in a way that I think is more, Insightful or impactful than just some broad stroke comment that they made, like this is what it is, this is all. Well, there's got to be more to it. But for years, I mean, I've listened to people's stories and and encounters, and a lot of them don't make sense to me, but it's not my job to judge. I really just want to kind of be the sounding board for you who's having this experience to feel like you have a safe haven, a place to talk without being judged. And then there have been shows where at the end I think. That was complete rubbish total nonsense and then i start getting emails from around the world of people going i listened to that show and it really impacted me because i've had that experience the exact same way and i thought i was going insane i was suicidal i i you know i got on drugs and alcohol because of that now i know i'm not alone so I've, i've come to the conclusion that as absurd as things sometimes sound they're impactful to others and and it's not it's not worth just dismissing summarily because it doesn't make sense to my paradigm. So I listen to them all. And sometimes I'm silently behind my microphone, rolling my eyes or shaking my head. And now I can't do that as much on the paranormal 60 because I do the video (laughs) interview, but there are times they can see, and I get the crooked eyebrow and kind of shake my head. And I'm like, hold on a minute, Nick, you said what? And then I get to go back in. And sometimes it's just a simple mistake of what they said. And sometimes it's just some crazy thought and you have to give it a ch- chance to breathe because sometimes somebody will say something to me and hours later, it'll kind of blossom in my head and I'll be like, God, that's actually brilliant. That That's why didn't I think of that before? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I just try to give that it's, it's the devil it's due. It doesn't mean I can't be skeptical of it, but there's a difference between a skeptic and a cynic.
0: What are some of your favorite uh, uh, things that have come up that have been like, I don't think this is going to really catch on, but then it catches on and it snowballs. Uh, and my only example is like the black eyed kid stories that popped up for five, 10 years. Uh, right. Do you well, have any we,
1: we were one of the first shows that talked to black eyed kids. That's
0: why I brought it up. Cause it's yeah, like, what so, came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. We just, started collecting some of these weird odd stories and then it just blew up from there. And then all of a sudden there's movies and books and comic books and, and stuff coming out. And I know we were at the forefront. We were, we were out there talking about it and pushing and, and that was fascinating to me. The bloody bones, man stories, uh, the slender man tales, you, you know, that's a fake creature that was imagined, but yet it seems like people are having, eyewitness accounts. And then you start peeling back the layers. And that was an interesting one. You start peeling back the layers of history and realize, well, damn, there's been a slender man like character throughout the centuries that they talk about being darkly dressed, very tall, skinny, sometimes no face, long spindling spider arms. And they're in different cultures and different beliefs and different races. And maybe it isn't something that somebody just imagined maybe they thought they imagined it because they were tapping into that etheric internet yeah and that's always existed and they just they found that connection is there a chance you think you
0: obviously had rosemary ellen guyly on a lot she was very in at the end of her career was very into the gin and Mm -hmm. that situation do you think that it's more of a maybe a gin situation or more of like a tulpa where everybody was thinking about it so it was happening more often
1: mixture of both i mean i'm not even really sold on the gin aspect Uh, you know it's like we all find something a niche that that suits us you know uh, chris fleming talks about imps everything's an imp uh she talks about the gin everything was a gin um you talk to others everything's a demon even the loving sweet ghosts that give us a good message of hope it's a demon they're trying to manipulate you others believe they're angelic others believe it's all alien in nature um so it's again i don't I don't judge either way. You know, I, I think there's aspects of the gin that are fascinating and and make sense. And then there's other aspects where I feel like, you know, watching that special uh, Jeff Corwin did years ago on the, uh, in search of the Yeti. Yeah. He started to realize everything. Yeti's a catch-all. You know, if he showed a picture of a snow leopard and they didn't know what it was, they called it a Yeti. And if he showed a picture of a polar bear, they called it a Yeti. And if he showed a picture of, you know, a, a, massive beaver with snow on its face so it's a yeti. and it sounds silly but it, yeti to them was just oh, i don't know what it is it must be a yeti so you know trying to discern and define that's our problems as humans right we want to put everything in a perfect little box right and now i'm realizing those boxes drip into one another and they they cascade down into other aspects and sometimes that box goes back a lot deeper than the box below it or above it and and this box only goes to the right or the left and and you can't you can't assume that anything is any one thing yeah. i think in the case of ghosts yes some of them are dead spirit i right now die on your show out pops my spirit and then it takes over that's an intelligent haunting um i think there are residual hauntings playing out around us all the time but we don't always hear it because there's so many distractions i also think that there's a lot to do with time uh folds and, yeah. and time slip uh, maneuvers uh, i think that um we're hearing the future leak through people always want to believe a haunting is the past i think a lot of it comes from our future and might be us we hear knocking around in the house in 20 years re you know rebuilding doing something you never know what could be the real back of it so i never try to put a, a stamp on it saying yes this is definitively it I will try to button up like on the TV shows. All right. I believe this is it from the evidence that presented itself. This is what we can pretty confidently feel like is going on. But do I believe that that's the entire story? Not always. I think there's something waiting underneath that page and we just got done. And then a good gust of wind is going to flip that page and a whole new story is going to reveal itself.
0: Have you experienced, you talked about all the boxes dripping into each other. Have you gone to a place? And I know a lot of people have had this where they go to a place and they, have UFO phenomena, but they also are seeing, you know, Yeti Sasquatch Bigfoot type creatures, or they're also seeing ghosts, but all in the same place. Have, sure. you, have you experienced that in some of your locations you've been to?
1: Yeah, there's places, you know, when I was out doing the Curse of Lizzie Borden, we're right near the Bridgewater Triangle area, I believe it is, and it's puck and ghosts and elementals and all kinds of weird stuff going on. I was out at the Skinwalker Ranch in Arizona, or not Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, stardust ranch stardust in arizona stardust, yeah, yeah with ghost adventures which was just like skinwalker ranch there were portals that people had seen opening and closing there were creatures that would be there one minute not the next there were spiritual elements there was ufo and alien elements so i've been in places like that all over the planet uh just trying to be in the moment soak it in and see what i might be able to take away from it how hard is it for you watching some of the
0: shows that you've been on and been a part of and you see you know you can see on the TV, here's the camera, but the camera cannot do justice to what the human eye can see in the sky. How hard is it to be like, gosh, I wish we could have shown that more.
1: Oh, sure. On everything. There's, there's stuff. I wish we would have had a better camera, better camera angle. That's just par for the course though. You, you get what you get and try to make the best of the evidence that you're able to, to, to get. It's you're, you're asking your audience on TV and radio to come along with you for the journey to have faith that what you're going to experience you're going to try to relate in the most honest and compelling way. Um it doesn't mean we're not fallible, you know. I I'm sure if I went back and started watching Holzer File episodes again, I might see mistakes I made that'll be like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that or I should have handled that differently or I should have right. confronted this ghost this way or that ghost that way and tried things different, but It's always changing and evolving. And you never know. I mean, hopefully, I'll get a chance to go back to some of these places and put those different aspects into effect and see what what makes itself known.
0: Yeah. When you were working with the Ghost Adventures guys, were you more of like a, uh, because you've been on what, seven episodes, I think, Mm -hmm. of that show? Did you do, were you doing like a lot of like location scouting or were you just coming along for the ride and hanging out? What was your uh, interaction with that group?
1: originally i just was friends with them when their first documentary was coming out aaron goodwin was a fan of uh my podcast and he reached out and he's like yo bro i gotta i'm with these guys and we put together this you know documentary and it's gonna air on sci-fi channel would you you know you want to talk about it And why don't i have you guys on oh okay so i had them on and we talked about it and we just hit it off and became like brothers and then they knew that i was doing events with the ghost hunters crew and Uh, so they hired me for a couple of their little events and then they realized what a raging pain in in the ass it is to run those events. And they said, how about if you just take over running the events for us and we'll show up. (laughs) And I did that. Um, and I did that for quite, you know, quite a long time, six, seven years, uh, maybe even eight years. And then, um, retired from doing those big events, uh, where I was running them because I got tired of it. Yeah. But, uh, then, you know, I, what was it? two thousand? maybe around 2013, I think, I was shooting the breeze with with um, Zach, and I'd help them from time to time. He'd be like, man, do you know of any place in California or Nevada or Arizona? And I'd dig up some weird random place for him. And then he said, why don't I just hire you on as a researcher and a location scout? So for five years, I did that. And uh, I did that. Now it's been, gosh, six years since I've done that job. So you know, that was a fun job, but it also gets to the point where it's like, all I'm doing is sitting at home, reading online and gets kind of boring after six years. You want to move on and do something else. So, uh, and he was always kind enough to bring me on episodes and, uh, you know, we did paranormal challenge together back in 2012. Um, so it's just been, a, it's been a fun ride. I just buckle in and whatever the roller coaster takes me. That's yeah. where we head.
0: Well, how did you get in on the Holzer files then when they, when that came up?
1: Oh, that was a virgin sacrifice.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. I just, no. Did you have
0: to uh, to read the or? (laughs) I
1: I was friends with Alexandra Holzer from way back uh, when we started the show. She got, her first book came out, Growing Up Holzer, or Growing Mm -hmm. Up Haunted, I think it was. And um, her father's final book was coming out. So I did a bookend episode where first hour I talked to Alexandra Holzer, second hour I talked to Dr. Hans Holzer. And we just became friends. And then I hired her to a couple of events that I was hosting out East and she came out and did some talks and we just hit it off. And then when the opportunity arose and the network reached out to me and the production company and said, we'd like you to be our, our lead investigator. Once they told me what they were doing, I jumped at it. I was like, God, this is an amazing opportunity. I'll take it. And that's, you know, what got me on the Holzer files
0: when you were putting together that show and working with that crew was, did they come to you and say, this is what we want or were you able to put an in input? Because to me that show was a lot different than a lot of the other paranormal shows we've seen. Cause it's not, Hey, let's prove that the paranormal is real. Right. It's more of, this is a story we need to tell and figure out what the situation is. And the paranormal is part of that. You're not trying to prove anything. And I thought that that was really intriguing. And that's what made me go, this is a really cool show compared to all of the other paranormal stuff out there. Uh, How did that kind of... Yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: I I loved that aspect. I love that we were able to kind of do it our way. We were never forced to say it's a demon. You know, Uh, Dr. Holzer, I don't... I don't think maybe more than twice, two or three times in his career did he really fold into the demon category. Yeah. Um, So they never forced us to. And there were moments we could have easily said, oh, I think it's a demon because it knocked me down or it scratched me. But instead we just sat back and we're like, all right, what would Dr. Holzer do, right? And He would think this thing through, address the spirit, tell them that this is unacceptable, and try to figure out a way to negotiate peace, right? And that's what he did. So it gave us a cool opportunity to do something. I really loved it. I I still maintain, had they named it anything else, I think we'd still be on there. I think they should have named it Holzer's Ghost Files. Um, Because I think without supernatural, paranormal, ghost, something in the title to tell viewers what it is, there sadly were not enough people well-versed in who Dr. Hans Holzer was. Right, We were hoping to educate them through the show, but people, you know, once they found it, they loved it. We just didn't garner enough in the first wave. So yeah. tons of people watch us all around the world now and they're releasing our show in Germany and in, you know, Brazil and Portugal and Spain and France and the UK. So, I mean, we're, we're still spreading like wildfire over there and I'm still hoping holding the hope that maybe someday we'll get a chance to come back and and uh, maybe even if it's just a set of specials come back and get yeah. to investigate some more
0: yeah definitely you got to meet uh well maybe you met her before that but cindy Keza was on the show with you and you've mm-hmm. you've talked to and worked with a ton of different mediums uh throughout your lifetime whether it's uh echo bodine or you know chris fleming or cindy Keza. Mm-hmm what was your thoughts when you first got into the paranormal of psychic mediums and has that changed from then to now with all the people that you know and work with?
1: I believed in psychic phenomena. There were enough, uh, miss Cleo's out there. People that don't remember miss Cleo. She was the (laughs) television tarot card reader, uh, woman from New York using a bad fake Jamaican accent. Uh, and, and that, Kind of leaves, you know, just a widespread, oh yeah, this is real. And then I watched Sylvia Brown on on Montel Williams and a couple other shows, intrigued, but just so somebody who's of the light and is working in this field, she was so cold and I just I never liked her. I thought she was garbage uh with what she did and how she treated survivors and people that were dealing with loss. I really had problems with her, so it really kind of put a, a a distaste for me. So when we started, I was very cautious and i set my my mediums up for failure when i had them on the show uh chip coffee came on the show a friend of mine diana avena said you you should really have this guy on he's the real deal i said all right And all these other mediums had told us don't give me any information don't front load me don't tell me who you want to contact and here comes chip and he's like all right let's just get to the chase eric who do you want to talk to nick who do you want to talk to dave who do you want to talk to bill who do you want to talk to I'm like, well, I thought you're not supposed to. And he goes, I don't have time. What do we have? Seven, eight minutes for each caller? You want me to sit here and thumb through their spiritual Rolodex till I find the right person? Or do you want to tell me and we'll try to connect to them? I was like, (laughs) wow. So what I'd done was uh, I lined up all the guests. I knew everybody personally. And I said, hey, you want to get a free gallery or a free medium reading? Sure. I knew they'd tell if they were being swindled or lied to. Yeah. One after another, he's just knocking them down boom, 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 boom. So I think it was two weeks later, I get a call from my friends at paranormal state and they're like, Dave, we need a really good medium. And I said, it's funny you say that I just talked to this guy and he's not like anything else I've ever seen. His name is, uh, look at the rookie. I left my alarm on. Um, I said, his name is chip coffee. And, uh, He's out of Atlanta. And I said, all right, do you have his, his contact information? I gave it to him. Uh, two days later, I think it was, he was on a flight and filmed his first episode with them. And uh, the name, I think, is the name of the episode. And he is still very prevalent and prominent in the paranormal field. Um, you know, I, I spoke to Marianne Winkowski, the real uh, ghost whisperer. That's who the show was based on. And skeptical, completely skeptical, especially because they made a TV show about her. So right. I was like, okay and she blew me away again she saw things like closed circuit tv so when if if you have a ghost in your house she can see inside your house if you don't she can't you know if there's no ghost, she can't see inside your house so with that i'm like talking around the phone one day and she goes all right this is what you've got she starts detailing a room in my house down to minute details she goes you're having activity in that room it's got this in it that in it da, 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 this is and this is what you need to do to get it out of there and i'm like how the hell i don't post pictures this was back in the day before you posted pictures of everything yeah, yeah There was no pictures of the room there was no no way for her to know this and then i had all these people lined up and they started getting readings from her and she's popping off information she shouldn't possibly know and not generic like my friend susan she's like oh honey you have a there's a man in your front closet. You come in through the door. There's a closet immediately to your left. Uh, it's like almost like a row of closets. He's in that closet. And you see him, you hear him. And I had seen him when I visited my friend, Susan. We were there one day at Austin. This, this guy leans out of the closet. The shadowy figure ducks back in. So I knew it existed. So I started to warm to the idea. But I also noticed, and I'll be completely 100% honest, I've noticed that in a gallery session, there's some cold reading that's gone on from big celebrity readers down to, you know, somebody you've never heard of before, but I will say this. I've also noticed that in those readings, sometimes they do more good for the person in that five minute reading than 10 years of laying on a therapist's couch could do for them. Yeah. Simply, simply by hearing, you know, um, Nick. There's somebody here. He's feels like a male figure, like a grandfather. And you're, you were stressed at the time of his death. Did he know how much you loved? He loved you. Sometimes it's just hearing those things and making you feel connected again. Yeah. So, you know, therapy. I know people that have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on therapy and they're still crazy. And then I know people that have gone in for one gallery session and made that closure and they feel great again. And their life is back on track. So who's to say what's real and what's false? Right you know as many cases for me of people that i could say i don't i don't know that therapy is a real thing um so it's it's and I, I i'm gonna get hate mail for that but i'm just <laughs> using it as an explanation yeah. so I, you know sometimes i well not sometimes we as a people we want to have something to believe in and follow so when i can tell you nick i've seen your future and it's positive man things are coming your way you want to hear that right right you're, so you're going to be like, man, that Dave's, he's really good. Cause the day after he said that I walked out and a $20 bill blew past my front door and I picked it up. And when I bent over a tree had fallen and had I been standing, it would have took, taken my head off. Now Dave's the greatest medium, you know, right. But it's cause now you're starting to put things in the pigeonholes and trying yeah, to make sense yeah. of it. But if it makes people feel good and they're not being rooked, I'm okay with it.
0: So my next question,
1: kind of building off of that. Mm -hmm. And it also jumps into the other show
0: that you did, The Curse of Lizzie Borden.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, We have watched, you know, people such as myself or other fans that watched The Holes or Files or listened to your shows. You know, we kind of got to see, like I said, your evolution. So we kind of know because you do the behind the scenes stuff and everything like that. And you come in and you have an experience like what happened with you and Chip at that table with the automatic writing. Chris. Chris, yeah. Chris, sorry, I don't know why I said Chip. You, <laughs> we no, we, just we were about talking like about that. both of them. So yep. yeah, with Chris, uh, Fleming, he was on there working with you on that, and you had that incident. And of course, you know, did that did that thing kind of change you as a human, as how you look at the paranormal? That part, that oh, yeah. one incident.
1: Everything I've done in this field has changed my perspective. When I got knocked over in the first episode of Holzer Files at Whaley House. I've, I've heard people complain and tell me they've been bit and scratched and pushed. And I'm like, okay. But I've also been privy to be at those events when I noticed that it's, you know, maybe a woman that's trying to get Zach's attention that keeps complaining. Something keeps touching me and Oh, Zach, come help me. And then Zach could go over and stand by her side and I'm not belittling their experience, but it always seemed to be, you know, well, here I can help you. No, send Zach over. I don't know how experience, you know, how much this experience is real to you, as much as you just want Zach over in the corner right. of a dark basement while you're being touched by a spirit, right? So, uh, some of it leaves you questioning. Um, you know, it's just it's all the process of of being in there and and trying it and seeing what happens. When I got knocked down, it opened up a whole new world for me because, wow, there is a very powerful force and we watch that video footage back and forth and i'm a big guy and that thing hooked me up my ankles bend my knees buckle and i go up and hit the ground after i hit shane (laughs) and i'm not even like trying to stop myself with my arms which would be your natural predilection if you're going to go down i was just like thrown and had no idea what was even happening at the time so to have those kind of experiences it's very eye-opening um when i went in to do the curse of lizzie borden chris wanted me to have an experience so he kind of put it out to the universe show us but use dave as your conduit and he didn't tell me that and then i made myself open during the investigation i'm like hey use us to help communicate and i should have been more specific meaning use our energy not me right and i began i i when i was holding hands with chris during the seance we had our hands you know i was holding one hand with sam beltrusis the other hand with chris fleming and and all of a sudden my right arm just starts like spasming and flipping out and and at first i'm like what the hell's wrong with chris his arm is spasming and then he let go of my hand and i realized it was my hand yeah and he goes i know what's happening i've seen this before and i'm like what do you mean he goes just give me a pen and a paper quick so they got him a pen and paper and i couldn't open my eyes for most of it
0: okay i was
1: like i felt like i i mean i was wide and conscious but i felt like i couldn't open my eyes and I fought that opportunity and I really, that pisses me off to this day. I wish I would have gone with it and allowed it to happen, but it was very violating feeling. It was very frightening when you don't expect it to suddenly, you know, it's like when you've laid on your arm too long and you stand up and I'm like, oh my God, I can't lift my arm. You're thinking about it. You're looking at it and it won't move that's kind of a, an unsettling feeling. Well, the same is said, when my arm is moving and doing things that I'm not, yeah. and I don't have MS, I don't have Parkinson's. I don't have, uh, any kind of, um, issue that should, should make that happen. No neurological issues, uh, that I'm aware of. So, you know, I, it was weird, very paradigm shifting. So it opens me up to these things. And then that I, you know, Chris believes that it was because I got so open on Lizzie Borden that that's why. I took the hit in, um, devil's perch. Yeah. Personally. I, I walked into that place memory of, of Richard Sims being shot and I felt it and I, I thought I was dying.
0: When you're doing those, did you get, or after you did those was, uh, cause Cindy does a lot of automatic writing. Was she able to help you with that situation and, and stuff like that afterwards?
1: yeah she usually lectured me first you know knock it off stop tapping into this stuff i've spent my whole life learning this don't just mess around with it because this is when you're going to get hurt right and okay you know i get it and uh but she she and chris have given me grounding techniques and things to help me out so that i'm not as open when i go into places but i also you walk that line where you're like but that's why i'm here i want to have this experience i want something to make itself known and and if i keep shutting it down Right. You know, that makes no sense to me.
0: Right. And I think that's one of the things I, I was talking about when, if I have a friend that's got a kid that they're like, hey, they well, they see ghosts and they don't, and it's like, don't, don't tell them not to worry. Like, cause that closes them down. You know, you grow up, right. that's how you grow out of it. When you're a kid, that's the best way to influence, to get that, to get that going. Right. In my opinion, again, oh, I agree. It.
1: I agree. You've got to let, let nature take its course and, and hopefully you'll have those experiences. So I try not to shut it down, but I try to tamp it so that I'm more in charge of the moment, as opposed to being a victim of it.
0: You did a lot of stuff on your paranormal 60 show where you've got to look at the behind the scenes of ghosts of devil's perch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Explain to the people here, because obviously our audience, some of them know you, not all of them do. What is it like to try and cram, you know, a day's worth of filming into 45 minutes
1: and all of the stuff that gets edited out a day. I wish it was a day. We film every episode takes five to six days. Okay, we're filming twelve to fifteen hours a day. So you've got to take seventy-five hours of footage and pare it down to forty-two minutes and make a story that's cohesive, easy to follow, easy to understand, and that's tough. I'm glad I'm not the editor. Um, They did allow us input into story, meaning trying to help them understand it. It's not like we were ever told, "Okay, here's you know, you walk in." Cindy's on the phone with your best friend. Do you think she's cheating on you? It's not a sitcom, right? It's right. not like you're getting these throws. But we'd go in there like, okay, what do you make of this? All right, So this, this is the next piece of the puzzle we're going to look for. And that's how we help shape it. Um, it's it's a weird process. And I give editors and, and the director all the credit in the world on that because they've got a lot. And I, I mean, yeah, to, to be honest, we're all bummed out because there are parts in the episodes you're like, why wasn't this in there? <clears throat> and they'll tell me what would what should we have removed right. from that forty two minutes that wouldn't have made everything fall apart just to play that cool scene?
0: Yeah,
1: and you're you're. I'm like you're right. So we would have removed two minutes of something else to play two minutes of this, and then none of the rest of the story would have made sense. But we would have showed a cool piece of evidence. So sometimes you had to lose the good evidence or a good a side story that was taking place that really had nothing to do with the main story. So, and sometimes this, you know, the main story fell to the wayside because the side story was so compelling, and that's where we went with it. Do you think there'll be a time where you get to sit down and do some behind the scenes
0: looks for that show, for like the Captain I hope China so, discovery. We,
1: we did it for Holzer Files season 1, mm-hmm. and then they didn't have us come back to do it when we did season 2. I would have loved to have gone back and done that. Uh and I'm open to do it for um devil's perch if they'll allow us uh but who knows you know i mean I, the, the future is uncertain all the time on tv so right well, the devil's Perch well, is... people liked it and it's you know it's a good show but it could take three to six months before they decide if they want to bring us back
0: right and that show is based off of other shows they've done the ghosts of series correct
1: right shepherd's town was season one and two with nick and elizabeth saint season three was ben hansen sarah limos uh katie stafford jeremy leonard and then our series uh it was season four of the show so maybe they'll come back with uh ghosts of you know anoka minnesota and they'll have a whole <laughs> new team in there it's hard to say you know i'm but i'm open to it. whatever if they'd like me to be back i'd love to do it if not i'm just so thankful for the opportunity to have been able to go out and tell a story and i think we did it in both the holzer files and on ghosts of i think we did it in a, in a compelling, interesting, respectful way. And you know, I hope that we get to continue to do that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. All the shows are amazing. Do you have any other any other show things that you can talk about coming up? Special events, things like that that you got going on?
1: Uh doing events, I'm all over the place. The best place for people to check me out is darknessevents.com. Um I'm going to Egypt and and we're taking listeners with us. So if you've ever wanted to explore the supernatural aspect of Egypt you can come with me we're doing 30 people plus myself and our tour guides and uh tracy ash who is a metaphysician um and big into egypt uh, history and everything she lives there she she and her husband own a couple of the hotels so we're going to get a really cool chance to see some stuff but i think there's only four or five spots still open i'm doing germany and prague this next year i'm going to be at new jersey paracon again michigan paracon um, in January, I'm going to be out at the Fear Fair in San Bernardino, California. So I'm I'm all over. Just check DarknessEvents.com to see it or or listen to the Paranormal 60 podcast because I'm always updating where I'm going to be and what we're doing.
0: Awesome. And uh, DarknessRadio.com/Paranormal60. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're on Instagram. I don't even need to do
1: that. Just just type in the Paranormal60.com. There you it'll go. Take you right to that website. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we make it easier. Go to YouTube. Uh, i've got a lot of cool content on there uh at the paranormal 60 page you can see all of our live episodes and then all the shows are archived there so you can go back and we've got uh, like 80 some episodes up um of the paranormal 60 to go back and and enjoy and then we did some uh some cool shows called freaky friday supernatural swaps where if i was out of town and i'd done an you know interview on jim harold's podcast he would give me the video and on that Friday, I'd run his podcast, introduce him and his podcast to my audience, and they'd get to see me in the hot seat. So it was kind of a fun, fun way to do that. So I did that with Bridget Marquartz, the ghost magnet and uh, the, uh, the rock star dads, the guys from, uh, the, uh, the rock band bowling for soup have a show and I've been on it twice. And that's awesome. And yeah, Aaron Sager's talking strange and stuff. So I just, it's a fun way to kind of, you know, keep it fresh and, and give people a chance to see some other great shows that are out there
0: that's great that's great instagram at official dave schrader uh twitter the dave schrader and youtube at the paranormal 60. people that are watching the live stream stick around we'll do some quick q and a's here in just a bit uh but first i want to talk about our upcoming guest november 14th comic book writer and artist eric burnham is going to be joining us Uh, he's done ghostbusters transformers gi joe the list goes on and on He's going to be joining us live November 14th. That podcast will be available November 15th. December 12th, wrestling legend Wild Bill Irwin has worked for the WWE, WCW, ECW, AWA, WCCW, and every one of the territories that exists in the world. He's going to be joining us December 12th. That show will be available on the 13th. Thank you all for joining us and listening. Please make sure to rate, review, follow, subscribe, all of the buttons, push all of the buttons. It helps us and in turn helps our guests. So for Dave, I am Nick, and thank you all for listening to Epic Realms. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, and I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms.